0: so let's praise him. All of our days, let us praise him. Let's lift up hearts and hands, Far worthy is the Lamb that shall live forevermore. Let's adore him. hallelujah oh Jesus. oh Jesus Jesus now abides within. Oh give me Jesus. Jesus, well praise the Lord. away my sin. Oh Jesus, and praise His name. Oh, give me Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus, take away my sins. Oh, give me Jesus. the Lord. Praise the wonderful name of the Lord. You touched my eyes that I might see. My mind, my spirit, it's clear that you I is the Lord.
1: Nadine for us to sing that song, um, I Need More of Your Spirit. Father, this morning we thank you for this sweet presence that we feel in our midst, this sweet spirit we feel in our midst. Lord, if ever there was a deep desire in our heart that needs to be fulfilled. It is our desire for more of the spirit of your son. uh, Made a reality in our lives. Less of us, Father, and more of his spirit. Please, O God, we ask that you will take us through a process that would eliminate our carnal nature of our mindset and give us more of your son the spirit of Jesus, Father. We ask you to bless this service today and bless every child of God that's uh, joining us. May your spirit be a reality to each one of us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Well, I really like our songs that we were singing today. Um, I like songs that are songs of reality. And uh, that relates with my life and the one that we sang that says, oh, give me Jesus, Jesus. And then this one, this last one we sang that says, I need more of your spirit. Well, today I'll take my time and talk to you a little bit because I've been promised to talk and to speak about uh, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the need for charity, some of these things in our lives uh, that we so dearly need. And when I'm thinking, I need more of your spirit, um, they, the thing is, um, I need more of the spirit of Jesus. But Paul, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, uh, the assembly at Corinth, Paul made some statements, and he said, he says... Um, he says, I would that you would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. A uh, beautiful area, I think that's where I will start. You won't believe that I made some notes today and decided I was going to be following a line of thoughts uh, with my notes. And then I came and sat here, and the service got started, and I can't find my notes. I guess they're left on the desk. And so we'll just go wherever, whatever comes into my mind. And uh, I normally title my messages after I preach, because I don't know what I'll preach until it's preached. And I have done that. I don't encourage other, any other minister to do that. But if the Lord can touch you, because from experience, a lot of men blessed me when they got up, And they spoke randomly or extemporaneously, if we use that term. And so here, very first scripture, Paul says, I would to God that you would bear with me a little in my folly. First, second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, uh, and it is sad that this man, this apostle, this great man in our lives, uh, when we look back, hindsight puts him on a highest pedestal. And today we hold him into that same position. When I'm looking back and I'm seeing how this man uh, started this assembly and he wrote more than two epistles to the church at Corinth, but it did not salvage the church. Many of Paul's letters were written to salvage churches that were already backslidden. And uh, Corinth was one of those assemblies. If I hold my finger in 2 Corinthians 11 and I turn a little further on to Galatians, the first chapter, uh, Paul's letter to the churches of Galatians. Uh, The first chapter, one of the most powerful verses is verse 4 in the first chapter of Paul's letter to the churches, more than one church in Galatia. He says concerning Christ, verse 4, who give himself for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. He didn't die to be seen on a crucifix and hanging on someone's neck. Uh, he died to save every individual that, has, that can come to him from our sins, our deep inherent sins. And as our salvation progresses, uh, sometimes we can... Uh, We can have a sin that hangs on to us. Uh, We are able to conquer other areas, but then there is sometimes a problem that hangs on to us that does not go away easily. Well, we need to be patient one with the other, and I promise you that I'll be giving a lesson talking about charity some when the Lord leads us. Uh, It's uh, necessary for God to give me individuals that are obnoxious so I can love them. And when I discover your immaturity, because you're to be a Christian, but there are so many problems in your life still, I must be patient with you, because it is something that I must understand, that as God is giving you time to make changes, I need time in my own life uh, to make changes. And so I must be patient with you. Your immaturity is given for my perfection. Uh, the obstacles that God bring along my path is given for my spiritual development and growth in God. Now, listen to these words carefully. And so, uh, when Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia, he says, Christ died to save you from your sins and from the this present evil world, uh, this world with its system, uh, with what happens out there, Uh, This beastly system we call civil government and uh, false religion riding on civil government operates with a system that the whole world glories in. And uh, a lot of individuals uh, feel like I'm too hard when it comes to uh, pagan celebrations like Christmas. Now, I think we can use this world, but we don't have to follow the, leave the pagan out of the celebration. Uh, Christmas time is a good time that you can be some be charitable. Give Salvation Army some money; they feed a lot of people. Uh, give the people in your own church. Start with your own church, uh, then rather outside of the church. Start with the household of faith. Uh, find out how you can help someone within your own assembly uh, with some food and some uh, some things that they can can benefit them during this festive season. Uh, We can enjoy the season without the festiveness of it. We can enjoy the season without a pagan aspects of it. A child of God don't need a Christmas tree in their house. Doesn't. Is a Christmas tree some sort of a demonic thing? Well, it could be. Because I've discovered little uh, emblems and little uh, amulets uh, that you might think is harmless... They accompany demonic worship, and worship does not mean you're bowing down and kneeling before an idol. Worship means you're putting it on a high pedestal that even God tries to tell you something you're not going to change. Because your grandkids love it. Poor reason, and that is why I like this song, the songs we were singing. More of you, Jesus, and less of me, less of my carnal mind. Uh, less of my traditional concepts, less of of what was rooted and built in my heart by my unsaved ancestors. More of Jesus, less of me. And that is why I love uh, to understand more of Jesus. Well, let's look at here. Uh, Paul is telling these churches, he says, I marvel, verse 6 in Galatia, that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ Onto another gospel. This assemb- these assemblies in Galatia thought that Paul was an idiot. And so they're moving from him onto another gospel. Uh, which is not another? He says, which, he says, but though we are an angel. Um, let me go verse 7. He says, which is not another? There's not another gospel. There's only one gospel. But when you pervert the gospel, it loses its power and impact. And purpose is lost. It says in verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that will trouble you. That's some there are preachers. Whether it's your pastor or someone else that comes in uh, to your life as a preacher, if he's perverting the gospel, don't even follow him even across the street. That's my concept. Um... It is important that we follow Christ. We follow preachers as they follow Christ. And if your pastor is blind, you will be following a blind leader and both of you, pastor and congregation, will end up in the ditch. What is a ditch? Some other day. I'll tell you what is the ditch. I can tell you what scripture says. Uh, The mouth of a whore, that is, In regards to Revelation 17 is a deep ditch. You figure the rest out. Right now we're looking at some areas here that we want to complete before time runs out on us. It says, which is not another, but some would prefer the gospel of Christ. Paul says, though we are an angel, pop down, flop, flop, flop. Some angel turns up in your church with all his wings, six wings. And he's trying to preach another gospel to accommodate paganism and false ideas and sins. You tell that angel, rebuke that angel in the name of the Lord and don't follow him. Let him be accursed, Paul said. And so an angel can teach you contrary to God because angels are not called to teach. When you send it on high, give gifts unto men. Men are called to teach the word. And a man might be imperfect in certain areas of his life, but he preaches a perfect gospel. Paul had not attained to that place of maturity, but Paul's message was perfect. And so when we look at some of these things, uh, here in in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul tells the church, he says, verse 2, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Uh, Paul is jealous over this church because like a husband or a man courting a woman. Uh, when a father wants his daughter uh, to be betrothed or be married to someone, he must make sure that her virginity is intact. Well, Paul wanted the pureness of the people in Corinth to remain intact, and he had worked hard to bring them to this place. I'm holding my finger in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, And I'm backing up here to uh, 1 Corinthians, and I think I need chapter 7. Paul writes here, and he talks here in chapter 6, not 7, chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Paul is talking about people here in Corinth that were suing each other at the law. In chapter 5, a man was living with his father's wife. This was the church that was once a good church. A pure church, a church that was not defiled. But like I said so many times, every church that God has started, eventually the devil has moved on in, and whether he comes as an angel of light or he comes as some sort of kind of a preacher, he can undermine the faith of that church. And so you and I, as children of God, must pray like we never prayed before, And study our word, the Bible, like we never studied before, uh, to guide our lifestyle that we can live for God in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We need to shine as lights. And so when you look at chapter 5, it says a man was sleeping with his father's wife. Chapter 6, they were taking each other to court. Saints in the same church were taking each other to court. And Paul says, he says, uh, verse 8 in chapter 6, he says, Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and uh, defraud, and that your brethren. Know you not that the unrighteous? don't 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 you know that the unrighteous? Whether I'm in church 20 years, 30 years, or 40 years, or however long. If I'm unrighteous while I'm sitting in church, and there were people in Corinth That were unrighteous while they attended church. That is sad because we might start on a good journey uh, heading to the kingdom. We sing a song, I'm heading for the kingdom, let's keep walking. Walking where? In darkness? No, walking in light. We need to walk in light. And as we keep on serving the Lord, our sanctification should be progressive. That is, the things I used to do, last year I don't do them no more if they're violating God's principles. It means that more of Christ must be seen in my life and less of me. The need for more of Christ is very evident, especially in today's society. Think about it. If one of these men of the past, like Jeremiah or Isaiah, walks on into your home during Christmas time, will they want to sit back or would they be amazed at our hypocrisy and the way we have established in disguise, paganism in disguise? Satan comes in in disguise. Paganism happens in disguise. False religion gets there in, in disguise. Why, people are busy studying the, the, the word of God. Well, to study the word is one thing, to walk in the light is another thing altogether. And I pray every day that God would help me as a pastor, that my frailties, my imperfections would not be compromised in such a way that I'll push that on the people. I let my church know, and I let every one of you listening to me today know, that I'm not a perfect individual. But you only follow my ways which be in Christ. Follow my ways which be in Christ. Don't follow my eating habits. Don't follow my, my lack of discipline or my lack of anything else. I try to do my best to set a good example. The best advice I can give the people around me is a godly example. I try to do that to the best of my ability. But I might stumble... When I read the Bible, if the Bible had only men without flaws, it would be a thin, slim book. I look at David, and he he wrote some of the most beautiful Psalms, and I follow David. I follow the instruction in a lot of the Psalms, but there are things in his life I will not follow. I love Paul and the greatest apostle that ever lived on this earth. And I can't do without reading his works and admiring his dedication. But there were things he did and his attitude and his boldness when he described the apostles who were before him uh, in Galatians. Uh, I I cannot follow that example. I love the apostles, all the apostles, when they gathered together prior to the day of Pentecost. And uh, they appointed... Uh, Matthias and Justice They wanted to fill Judas's place I think it was a wrong move That's my conclusion My conclusion is They should have waited until after the day of Pentecost When the Holy Ghost touched their minds And take, took away their carnal mindset To make that decision If they had waited until the day of Pentecost And when the Holy Ghost fell Then they made choice They would not have come up with two names they would not have to cast lots. I will never cast lots in this church that I pastor. Never, ever. It, it, anyone wants to cast lots will be over my dead body. All right, I plan to be nice today, so let me back away from some of that. And so Paul says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous verse nine shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, "Be not deceived, neither fornicators. That is literal fornicators. Uh, or spiritual fornicators. When you flaunt yourself with what the woman of Revelation 17 has initiated in society and you bring it into your home, you are a fornicator. In her hand was a cup full of the abomination and her, of our her fornication. Anything that the postured Christianity and Latin Christianity and pagan customs that was introduced by Revelation 17 woman should not be brought into the church. And it is sad when ministers court with that. But are saying, are you perfect and holy? No, I'm not, a, not even the closest, but I preach a good strong gospel. I might have flaws, but I don't let my flaws be imposed on the people that are listening to me. If I have a problem and I smoke a cigarette on the side, which I don't do, but if I do, I wouldn't come and say nothing is wrong with cigarettes. I wouldn't flaunt my hypocrisy and my weakness on the saints. This church belongs to Christ. Christ is the head. When the pastor becomes the head of the church, the church is ruined. Are you listening to me? Yes. All right. And so here we go on. Paul says, Some were such of you, be not deceived, fornicators, nor idolaters. Idolatry has changed. Today, I don't know when last I saw a real idol. I posted something on Facebook this morning, which put has a, a Buddha, I think it was, and a Madonna, and a Christmas tree. And it was, I was going to uh, pick up JJ or drop him off for school and i went to this little store called home sense a year ago i think it was when i walked in the people in home sense decided they'll put three idols up on the shelf one was a madonna one was a christmas tree and one was a buddha what a good combination they all they all should be together and so when a child of god don't see that guess what that's okay uh, You can suit yourself Do whatever you can If you don't see anything that Is wrong with that Well it might be That your vision Is gone 20 Not 20 20 But it's gone 80 tw- 20 Spiritual vision The song we sang this morning You touch my eyes Not your literal eyes I'm wearing glasses But I'm glad That my spiritual eyes The vision of my spiritual eyes Is improving We need God to touch our spiritual eyes. And Paul says idolaters. Anything that tries to hold a place more important than, than God is in your life is idolatry. Your wife could be an idol in your life. Your husband could be an idol in your life. Your children or grandchildren... Uh, could be idols in your life. And if your life is conditioned upon what your wife or your husband or your children or your grandchildren need to make them happy, then you have idolatry in your life. And God, before it's all over, uh, God must remove that. I don't want you to mechanically move it. I want you to be convinced in your heart it's wrong. And so I will bear up with the hypocrisies of individuals that claim to be Christians and are only Christians by name and not in reality. I'll be fine. A Discipleship takes a process. Paul took 35 years before he could come to the place and says, I'm now ready to be offered. I will take longer than that before I can say I'm now ready to be offered. So whatever I see in your life, uh, might not be as dangerous as what I don't see. What you see in my life might not be as dangerous as what you don't see. So God is the final judge. But Paul went on here, he says, <clears throat> be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, and you can interpret that. He says, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Try to, make a, try to sit down and figure that out. But a little, oh let me not say this, that's coming to my mind. You see something's come to my mind and I, I want to say it but it might really close some of my fellow preachers their ears off that they don't want to even listen to the word of God anymore. See Stephen was preaching that day and when he was preaching he started like this in Acts chapter 7. You need to go home today and read Acts chapter 7. And read a complete sermon, one of the longest sermons ever preached. At least we were able not to get Paul's messages. We were not able to get Peter's sermon except the day of Pentecost. But we were able to get Stephen's sermon. In Acts chapter 7. And he went on and he started with a little bit of sweet talk. He says, our fathers. He described... Uh, the leaders of the past, he says, our fathers. That's how he started off. And when he looked at their face and they started, he told them that our fathers killed Jesus. They destroyed. Here's what they did they worship uh, false gods in the Old Testament. They worship, um, what was it, uh, Baal? No, it was. They worship uh, not Dagon, but he had another God in Acts chapter 7 that he mentioned there. Uh, they worship all of these gods and the star of Rephan. Uh, they worship things that uh, they just was passed on to them. Molech, the god Molech, they worship. And he is dealing with that. And when he started to dig up their idolatry, their faces started to change. their countenance started to change. And when he looked at them, they were angry at Stephen. And so he changed his method. He did not say our fathers anymore. He says your fathers. Young man knew they were going to stone him. He knew they were going to kill him. So he might as well give them the full length of the message. And that is what I would like to do. I'd like not to compromise my message. But preach the message as it should be preached. And if you hate me or disfellowship me. Or do something like that. That's up to you. But I made sure you got a good listen. Listen. To what I have to say. Before my life comes to an end. Amen. Had a strange dream last night. I was wondering if it meant that I would die when I am uh, in the year 2021. Strange dream. And so I'm thinking. You know I'm at that age. I could die anytime. But it might be somebody else's death. But here he says. He goes on. He says. Effeminate nor abuses himself in mankind. He says. Thieves. Covetous, you mean this could be in the church? Let's find out. Covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. None of this will inherit the kingdom of God. And when it says inherit, I believe it's talking about people like this that will be in the bride of Christ. I believe so, that will rule and reign with Christ. But here is what he continues to say he says, but and and such were some of you right there in Corinth people are getting saved from a past life they were getting saved from a way of darkness and god was bringing them and that is why paul was telling them that he wanted to not let them go back from this harlot type lifestyle he wanted them to be saved and so in the 11 chapter he says he says, I'm jealous over you because now I brought you out of this past life, uh, being all of these different things. And you know, Paul liked to list things. He liked to list things. If you go into Romans, the first chapter, he give you a long list of sins that these people were delivered from. And they were going back into that. You see, if God does not convert you genuinely. You'll return like a dog to its vomit and a pig to its wallowing, wallowing in the mire. God must save you. Putting on a white shirt does not mean you're safe. Uh, putting on, getting a, uh, your hair neatly combed and groomed and wear a suit and a proper necktie does not mean you're a Christian. Brother Sam always say, putting a, 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 a bicycle or a kitten in a garage does not make it a car. Putting a kitten in an oven does not make it bread. Don't put your kitten in an oven. Poor thing will die. But you understand what I'm saying? Bringing a person and put them in church and put all these paraphernalia, the requirements and the standards, uh, that we're so busy putting our standards on people that we're not, we're not uh, realizing that the heart needs to be converted. Uh, what man sees, man sees And the outward appearance And so we are so busy uh, Giving man something to look and, on That we fail to give God something to look at God looks at the heart And so between you and I Conversion deals with the heart Genuine conversion deals with the heart And so when you come to church And you're one thing And you go out and you're a spiritual chameleon that you change to suit the environment, you are lost. Salvation is not something that uh, works with the atmosphere or the temperature or it works with the environment. Salvation remains the salvation whether you go in the midst of darkness or you're in church. If you're a light only in church and you're darkness when you leave the church, you need to be saved. We cannot accommodate spiritual schizophrenics. Today, you're Dr. Jekyll. When you walk out, you're Mr. Hyde. Today, you're Mr. Christian or Miss Christian. When you walk out, you're Miss Fornicator or Devil. Can't work. See, we must become like Jesus. He's not fickle. And so when we talk about all of this, by the time I get to talk about Jesus, time is over on me. So we get this is going to be another lesson tomorrow. But Paul went on here. He He says, I espouse you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul's job was to present the people and the church as a chaste virgin. It means every trace of paganism is out. Every trace of where you're coming from is out. If you're coming from a pagan background, whether you're a Hindu in Guyana years ago, and you got some of that still sitting in you, you're unsaved. We need to be saved. We need to be converted. We need roots of bitterness to be taken out of our lives. We need golden calves and brazen serpents out of our lives. We need to stop worshiping at Bethel. God has long moved on from Bethel. Mankind is such that when there is a holy spot one time, they like to build an altar there and stay forever there. You You left the nation of Israel to make their own decision. They would not have even entered into Canaan. They wanted to settle down where there was an oasis. And preachers, as long as they got a church with some money and retirement plan... They don't want to preach a gospel that will drive people away. I preach a gospel that hypocrites don't like. I'm not here, as Dale Carnegie, here to preach a gospel to win friends and influence people. I preach a gospel that I myself don't like because it deals with my life. And that is why when I'm finished preaching to you, I go listen to the message and let it deal with my own life and see if I can make adjustments. So when individuals write to me and tell me this message is changing their lives, I appreciate that. But saying this message is giving me some good messages that I can preach to people. I don't really care for that. Your life, whoever you are, if your life is being changed, it means that a conversion process is being worked in your life. And Jesus would be receiving a bride without spot or wrinkle, chaste virgin. And this is the amazing thing of the church. When Paul met the church at Corinth and he started, he met people that were with a mentality of fornicators. Their mentality was spiritual adulterers. Their mentality not only spiritual but literally. They were all kinds of sin. He says such were some of you. But he preached the gospel. And I believe in the early days of that church people were coming to God. And their lives were being changed. And those who were genuinely converted. I believe God laid them away for the first resurrection or for a resurrection. Either the first or the final resurrection where they'll be saved. But as Paul left and other ministers came in, they moved their focus from the simplicity of Christ and they moved into a complicated Jesus. And this is the problem because I'm singing a song that, oh, give me Jesus, Jesus. More of you, Lord Jesus, less of me. But if I got the wrong Jesus, focused on the wrong Jesus, I'd be following the wrong Jesus and think I'm serving God. You see, whatever is written aforetime time is written for our learning. Isn't that so? And so Paul went on here, he says, For I fear, I'm afraid, that as the serpent beguiled, the wisest woman that ever walked on this planet, that ever lived on this, in this world... Eve was the wisest. There's not a single woman in this world that was wise as Eve. And <clears throat> The devil walked into the Garden of Eden and deceived her. He didn't deceive her with vulgar, a vulgar lifestyle or a lewd lifestyle. He deceived her with perverted ambition. And I got my own likes and dislikes in life. I don't like when I look at what's going on in religion. I don't like everything that's going on in religion. And I know as much as I don't like a lot of things, people look at me and don't like what I'm doing. And that's fine. You're entitled to your likes and dislikes. But I feel God has called me to preach the gospel and that's what I do. You like it or you don't like it, doesn't matter, I'll preach it. If it drives out every member from my church, I'll still preach it. If after a while the church votes me out, that's fine. You can vote whatever you want. In this church, we don't vote. But if you vote and you all, the whole church decides to come against me, I'll still preach what God has placed in my heart. Amen. If my family comes against me, well, you know the Bible has so many good, beautiful examples. Jesus' own brother stood against him. His own brothers stood against him. And they tried to psychologically send him out of town when there was a convention. Because they wish he would not attend. Because if he attend, he'll call hypocrites, hypocrites. And he'll call liars, liars. And he would upset the apple cart. We got 10 minutes so I can play around with a few more things here. And hold your finger in 2 Corinthians 11 and turn back to the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, uh, John and I <clears throat> like uh, John's description here, uh, there is a scripture in the Gospel of John where Jesus, his own brothers, I think it might be the second, seventh chapter, and Gospel of John, chapter 7. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. He did some miracles. Uh, he preached, and all his people left him. He preached a message in John chapter 6. And when he preached this message that demands discipleship, and that's where we'll start tomorrow before we get into talking about Jesus. When he preached this message on discipleship, you see, discipleship is absolutely necessary in the process of conversion. There is no conversion without discipleship, and there is no discipleship without conversion. Discipleship targets, it's your willingness to give up what you held in the past and held on to and worshipped. Not bowing down, but held in high esteem. Getting rid of it, giving up, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus. It's not easy to follow Jesus unless you follow the wrong Jesus. If you follow a joker called Jesus, that's not the Jesus I'm preaching here today. We'll tell you more about him tomorrow. But here in chapter 7, in chapter 6 and verse verse 66, after Jesus preached the message, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back. They backslid. They left him. The church, Jesus broke up his own church. Did he know they were going to leave? Yes, he did. And he could have compromised the gospel. He was he had the ability to make that decision. He was not a puppet. He had the ability to back away from dying in Gethsemane, from from suffering in Gethsemane and dying on the cross. But remember his prayer, he said, Nevertheless, not my will. But thy will be done. Jesus said in John, He says, I came not to do my own will. But a will of him that sent me. Discipleship cannot function effectively if there is no conversion. And conversion without discipleship, it's impossible to have that. So when we think about it, we have to die. And so when Jesus told them that they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood, spiritually speaking live like he lived, follow his messages, because their fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and the old guys were dead. But they wanted to follow their fathers in the wilderness, but when their ancestors lived in the wilderness, they did not follow them. They wanted to kiss stone Moses ever so often. And here it says many of his disciples went back and walked no more. They quit. They backslid. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and he says, What are you going to do, guys? Are you going to stay with me? Are you going to go away? What are you going to do? Was he begging them to stay? He preached a message that God gave him to preach. And he turned to the twelve and he says, Would you also go away? And Peter said, He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? He says, thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, Jesus uh, was pleased to hear that. But in chapter 7, now that he got no disciples, just 12, his, uh, his own brethren heard about it. And it says in verse 2, and the Jews' feast of tabernacle was at hand. They had a big convention coming up. And uh, his brethren, his own brothers, flesh and blood, and uh, therefore said unto him, because they were to have a lot of people in that city. Their family name now was being threatened by their big brother. Big brother had gone local. Brother Singh has gone local. Well, that's what you think. That's what you think. Depart hence, they said to him, Jesus... Oh, you're such a sweet guy, depart hence, go into Judea, uh, that thy disciples also may see your works that thou doest. They say, you go leave town, you leave town and go to Judea, uh, that your disciples there. some people might follow you there, they might see your works and start serve God. He says for no man that doeth these things anything in secret And he himself seeketh uh, to be known openly If thou do these things show thyself to the world They said is because they loved him right Now John got their number Here's what John says For neither did his brethren believe in him His own flesh and blood included Jude Including James They did not believe in Jesus at this point Family and friends are not important if they contradict your desire to serve God. <clears throat> Sister Chandri is sitting to my right here today. Nadine is sitting to in front of me. But if any one of these, my family do not contradict my desire to follow God. My family do not. I have Sister Indira sitting at in the back. They believe in a message I preach. It's not easy for them in the house. It was not easy for Sister Chandri to eliminate all the Christmas paraphernalia she had in that house, but she got rid of it and she told me, she says, Those winter things you hanging outside in your winter baskets, make sure they're not Christmas. And I said, Well, yes. So I had a little wreath I got from the dollar store that I put it in the middle. I took it off and put it in the garage. I said, you're right. Why keep a little fox? A Christmas tree is not a little fox. It's a big fox. It's a wolf. But that's okay. Some people hang around with wolves and that's fine. I would not. And so I got five minutes to go and let me move on here. Where am I? His brothers did not believe in him. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 11... I fear, Paul says, I fear, verse 3, as a serpent beguiled Eve through a subtlety. He didn't tell her to do funny stuff. Paul says, so your minds, the minds, it is the mind that the devil works on. He worked on Eve's mind. He says, Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. Isn't that what we are striving to be like? Aren't we striving to be like God? But the perverted ambition he was giving her violated the simple principle that God had told her, don't eat. The Lord says, eat of all the trees, but this one, don't eat. You need to go to college to find out what what do not eat means. Well, let's get to Hebrew on that. Huh? Did Paul have Bible classes where he was teaching some foreign language to preach his gospel? I don't need to teach a point. I have a problem with English. And I said all kinds of stuff. Because I said, tom- in Guyana we said tomatoes. Over here they said tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Once, once pronunciation is lieutenant. The other one is lieutenant. Hmm? I told somebody, I said, we have in Canada, Ramada. What do you have? Ramada. I made that one up. They don't say Ramada. You know, we we have a problem with English. So that's enough. I need the Holy Ghost. I don't need the foreign language. I need the Holy Ghost. If the foreign language hinders your spiritual progress, eliminate it. If the Greek and the Hebrew educate you and not help you with your lifestyle, eliminate it. Because Paul had to be saved from being a Pharisee. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow. I'm just getting to this point. Paul says the devil destroyed Eve. Paul says your minds could be destroyed from the simplicity. You know what simplicity means? When you go home, (coughs) get the dictionary out or get your iPhone or your cell phone and find out what simplicity means. A child can understand. That's why I like when the Jehovah's Witnesses write a magazine. Smallest child can read it. First time I read a letter that came from a brother that was sending a letter to me. I had to get a dictionary to read what he was trying to tell me. Because so many big words, theological words. I don't know what in God's name it means. I'm trying to tell you that there is a simplicity of Christ. The Jesus I serve Is a simple Jesus. And that is what this weekend is about. Understanding the simplicity of Christ. And it says there. For if he, a preacher comes. If he, the word he in verse 4 means a preacher. If a preacher comes and preacheth another Jesus. A complicated Jesus. uh, Just a plain old theological Jesus. You gotta understand Jesus and his attributes and all this kinds of stuff. Listen, I got a simple Jesus I'll talk to you about tomorrow. He's not arrogant. He's not ignorant. He's not fickle. He's not vacillating in any way. He's not boisterous. He's not carnal. He's not full of emotions. But when you talk about the Jesus, I'm going to talk to you. It's not that this other Jesus. There's another Jesus. There are many Jesuses, my friend. The Baptist got a Jesus. The Assemblies of God got a Jesus. Everybody got his Jesus. Some people, Jesus, tell them to immerse. Some says sprinkle. One man, his Jesus, told him to take a hose and baptize a crowd of people. One Jesus says Trinity, the other Jesus says Oneness. The Jesus I serve, I hope to God, he is the right Jesus. We'll talk more about him tomorrow. We need to understand him because Paul says, if someone comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, and that is what I want to bear in your mind, because if you go further on in that chapter, he says, no marvel. He says, no marvel, verse 14, for Satan himself is transformed as an angel of light. The devil today is a preacher. He has more preachers out than God's preachers. The devil has more preachers preaching the gospel today than the ones that God has ordained to preach. And so, my friends, as you're listening to me today, if I was sent of the devil, you best find the closest exit and run for your life because my word will eat us the other canker and your soul is ruined. May God help us that we don't ignore Scripture and what is written aforetime for our learning. And understand about the simplicity of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day in your house. We thank you for the privilege you have given to us. That we can preach the gospel. And Lord, today as we touch this lightly on this subject. That we're trying to understand. That there are so many versions and so many aspects of Christ. Uh, Lord, Please. Have mercy on us and in your grace and, Lord, your, your faithfulness and your, your wisdom, Father, and your, your, your attitude to save us, Father. May you please help us. We ask you, please help us today. That, oh, Father, we don't deserve it. And that is why the word grace is used that you might keep us on the safe track. O Lord, please allow us to be exposed to the genuine Jesus, that we do not follow the wrong concept about our Lord and Savior, but we maintain and understand his simplicity. For we ask these mercies in his wonderful name and for his glory. Amen Amen. and amen. Amen. (laughs) Praise God.